You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Welcome to The Comedy Cellar Show on Sirius XM, Channel 99, Rod Dog. Also available via podcast on riotcast.com. And this is a very special episode because we have moved this podcast into the 21st century. Joining us via Skype, all the way from Maine, because Noam takes a lot of vacations, <laughs> is Noam Dorman, and he is coming, he's on a big screen, we're upstairs in the studio, we're not in the restaurant, so you'll notice there's no sounds of, uh, of, of plates and forks, because we're in a studio, with Noam on the big screen, Noam, hello, from all the way from Maine, Noam Dorman, how do you do? Hey Dan, I hope you can hear me. Who, who, who are you guests? Introduce the well, guests. Well, I'll, I'll do that, but I wanted to just make it clear that where this is a, a new thing for us, that you're all the Cutting way up it. in Maine, uh, and don't worry, the place oh is running God. just fine. <laughs> There's some employee stealing going on. But Dan, he's not on the moon. He's in fucking not, Maine. <laughs> well, but this is a big deal. He's, re, he's on the screen. Uh, this is this is 21st century shit. We've got with us Jessica Curson, or Curson. Curson. Depending mm-hmm. on... Uh, Hi, Noam. Hi, Jessica. How are you? And are the, are, who are those Jewish people next to you? Uh, those are, Jewish those men. are friends of mine, uh, Don and Bernie. Are they twins? Hi, Rabbi Cantor. They're not twins. We're not twins. Oh. And also you have, I see Lynn Coplitz. Lynn is here. Yes, she is. Lynn, of course, one a comedy seller regular. And if anybody kills harder than Lynn, I haven't seen him or her. That's true. Yes, but kills very hard. Thank you. And, of course, Dr. Nancy Siegel, our... A very special guest that Noam's been trying to get now for some time, I believe. Well, Dan, she she did our podcast years ago. Nancy Siegel wrote the book uh, uh, "Born Born Together, Raised Apart." Born together, uh, reared uh, apart. Re- born together, reared apart. <laughs> almost, right? almost right. <laughs> uh, and uh, if, uh, actually, Doctor Siegel, really, the guy right behind you is supposed to um, send me these things. But I, but I, I, anyway. So <laughs> and, he's an evil twin, huh? But. I, I found I think your book is one of the and your study is one of the most important things uh, I've ever read. I think I don't I'm sure you understand how it, how significant it is, but I don't think the world has yet come to grips with just the the ramifications and the ripples of the study uh, that that you did. But uh, it's essentially, um, and I'm going to let her tell about it. She did the definitive study on identical twins separated at birth. And then uh, seeing what commonalities they have as adults. Is that correct? That's correct. And these things have enormous implications for who we are and how we got that way. The study was actually conducted over a 20-year period at the University of Minnesota. And I'll tell you, it is such a kick and such a, a wonderful experience to watch twins get together and see these amazing similarities from the way they hold their knife to the way they wash their hands and, I mean, everything. Dr. Siegel, give a, give us a few of the 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 best stories about the these the, the the oddities that they had in common. Well, I don't call them oddities because you see these things repeated in in people who were genetically related and reared apart. But probably our premier pair were Jack and Oscar, raised in Trinidad and raised in Nazi Germany. And when they got together, they found that they both used the they both washed their hands before and after using the toilet. They both hated floral displays in restaurants because it blocked the view of the other person. They thought it was a a kick to sneeze loudly in elevators. And they read books from back to front. They gathered rubber bands around their wrists. Wow. It's it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. What what are some of the other uh, uh, stories? Well, one of the other pairs are the Fireman Twins, Mark and Jerry, that come from just across the river in New Jersey. And these guys were separated um, until they were 32 years old. And when they met, they discovered they were both volunteer firefighters, but their real jobs were installing chemical fire suppression systems, and the other one installed burglar alarm systems. They both uh, wore big belt buckles. They both dangled keys from these buckles, and they both drank only Budweiser beer with a pinky <laughs> finger underneath. Now, okay, you can the ask... Doctor, those last can... four things are Jersey things. Those aren't... <laughs> those aren't <laughs> the, <laughs> the last one with a pinky finger underneath. Yeah. The fact that they were both from New Jersey is not genetic, believe me. But at, any rate, <laughs> but at any rate, you can say, well, maybe it's just coincidence, but it's not. Think about holding that, that can, huh? Maybe it was the way their hands felt comfortable, 
or maybe they were so afraid of spilling that precious liquid that they had to grip the, the can really tightly. But the important thing that your listeners need to know is that studying reared apart twins gives us a way to think about why we do the things that we do, why we sit the way we do, why we gesture, why we love the people that we love, lots and lots of things. You ever have so, two identical twins meet at, like, uh, a Last Comic Standing audition? No, we haven't. No, that's, no, the, that's the next project. <laughs> but I can see it happening. Yeah, they're raised apart. They both become yuckmeisters. Why not? It's in the genes. So, so, and I'll, I also recently read the book by, uh, I'm not getting, J- Judith Rich Harris, is that her name? That's her name. Yeah, who who uh, who wrote the book about uh, child rearing? I guess, and I, I think she cites your work in her book, but and there's there's some other books out, and they all kind of leading us to the conclusion that really we have very little influence on our children and how they turn out, which is very disconcerting and, and counterintuitive. Well, it's not really quite that way, Noam. It's more that um, the genes have a stronger effect than we ever would have gathered and they affect more behaviors than we ever would have known. But it does not discount the effect of parents on children. Parents have the very important responsibility of being sensitive to their children's talents and tastes and preferences and fears and doing whatever they can to nurture them. That's <coughs> absolutely important. We in no way downplay the role of parents or rearing. All right, but, but, so, but, but you, does, does Judith Harris agree with that, what you just said? I think Judith Harris does agree with that in the, in the book she wrote called The Nurture Assumption. Now, what we believe happens is that all of us are born with genetic predispositions, and these predispositions lead us towards certain people, places, and events that we like or things that we're good at doing. But genes are not decisive in that respect. We still choose what we want to do. Divorce is genetically influenced. Identical twins are more likely to do it if one is divorced than fraternal twins. But the genes don't say, hey, get a divorce. The person makes up that decision. The genetic component is probably difficult personality traits, being stubborn, things of that sort. So it's really a very complex blend of both. Uh, and then and then before I turn it over to you guys, I have one more question, and I, and I want to be sensitive about it because I don't want you to regret coming on this show. But are you... I already regret it. No, <laughs> you <laughs> and, and by the way, we could always, we could always uh, cut something out. But are you worried about any of your research essentially being weaponized uh, to, to become part of an argument for people to prove uh, very politically incorrect things about the genetic basis of behaviors, intelligence, and whatnot? Uh, no, I'm not, for two reasons. First of all, in all of my studies, and those of the majority of my colleagues, we studied individual differences within populations. And what happens within populations does not necessarily extend to between populations. Secondly, the finding that genetic influence is more pervasive than we thought, I think, gives people a better understanding and a better sensitivity to why we develop as we do. And finally, in any scientific discipline, there's going to be misuse of findings. I don't care what you're finding. And I think that we try to, to uh, describe these, these findings as much as we possibly can in a responsible and intelligent and correct way. But it doesn't matter what it is. Somebody will misuse it, and we try our best to prevent that. Okay, then, then, let's, then let's head it off at the past, because I'm very interested in this, uh, to understand this. If, if IQ among uh, twins separated at birth, I, I think you analogize it as, as, as similar in, in correlation to height. Is that correct? Height is actually stronger in genetics than is intelligence. Yeah. But they, bo- but they, both, they both have significant genetic components, but height is a somewhat more strongly influenced trait as far as genetics goes. So what could bring that IQ, what difference in life would these twins separated at birth have to have in order to see their IQs diverge? Okay, so I recently completed some research in in Bogota, Colombia, and that is actually the topic of my next book, a little self-promotion here. Um, (laughs) Accidental Brothers is coming out next April. Watch out for it. I'm coming back on this comedy cellar. Now, having said that, Um, Here there were two sets of identical twins born a day apart, one in a very, uh, the very rich city of Bogota with cultural and educational opportunities, and another pair born in a very remote rural farm town up in the north. And one of the twins up north was very sick when he was born, so he had to be brought down to Bogota to the better hospital. 
In the process, the wrong twin was brought back to the north, so they grew up as two sets of separated twins and two sets of unrelated brothers. And when we look at their current abilities and things of that sort, we do find that these extremely different environments can cause divergence in ability. One of my colleagues also, who studies twins raised together, studied twins raised in especially impoverished neighborhoods, and he found that the environmental effect was stronger on intelligence than what you find in ordinary middle-class families. So we're never discounting the effect of the environment. And even though genetics plays a significant role in our abilities, uh, you know, people can all become better. Everyone can improve, everyone can gain new skills, but everyone cannot be the same. Right. Doctor, I'm, I'm stuck on what you said about the nurturing environment being important in the- Wait, excuse in the, me, who is this guy? That was, <laughs> is, I was way, just thinking right. the same thing. Noam is on the Skype screen with two guys, one on either side of him, uh, and I'm not Bernie sure who they is, are. Bernie is a super fan, okay. and literally he changed his itinerary just for the chance to, to ask a question on this show because he loves it so much. God, I'm so flattered. Ask away. And by this other fellow to your left. I was telling Noam before the show, this is a bucket list item for me to be involved in this. So thank you very much for allowing me to be on. Doctor, what I was asking about is you, you mentioned the, the factor of nurturing of the parents being very important. In the you invite a little kid into the cockpit. You don't let him fly the plane. Would you let him ask his question? Yeah, let him ask the question. So what I <laughs> you go, doctor. Thank you, doctor. So so what I was wondering was in in your original study with the sets, um, is there some sort of a uh, uh, self-selecting uh, sample that you have where the parents are adopting the children, and so they would automatically be in a subset of people who are probably more nurturing by nature rather than, or or, or is there a mix? Do no. you understand? What yeah, I have to, I understand what you're asking. And no, this is not a self-selected sample because we're not recruiting. We're not sending out notices of volunteers to step forward. We found our twins in many, many different ways. When there was a reunion in the newspaper or a referral from a colleague or the twins themselves, some of them did contact us. But most of the parents were deceased at this time because these were adult twins you know, raised apart but not reunited until they were older. So I don't, and, and hey, let me finish, hey, hey let, me, ahead, let me finish. Now, um, <laughs> when we did our studies, one thing we were very careful to do was to make sure that many aspects of these reared apart sets, like their height, their weight, personalities, all these kinds of things, were similar to ordinary studies of twins raised together. There was nothing aberrant in any way about those reared apart twins, nothing, no red flag that said, aha, it's an unusual sample. This was a, a really good twin sample. So now what do you want to say? <laughs> well, but what I was focusing on was the parents, because if the parents, if they were all, are they all adoptees or are there different no, ways? No, no, no. Twins raised apart are raised apart for a couple of different reasons. In most cases, they were adopted apart by different families because parents couldn't raise them, didn't have that much money, were emotionally distraught, a mother died, a mother was single, things like that. Uh, but there were on occasion some twins who were raised by the mother and father, another kid was given away, because the parents you know, couldn't afford two kids. In fact, this is amazing. In one family where both parents were pretty rich and they could afford to raise two children, they had this idea that they wanted the perfect family. And what was the perfect family? It was two children. So they had a girl. Second pregnancy, identical boys. Uh-uh, this, this gets in the way of our perfect family. Gave one away. Oh my God. Amazing, huh? I get that. So, Sorry, not a Jewish family. <laughs> that makes sense. No, they we were, don't do that. They were not. They were not. But but at any rate, <laughs> this this just tells you that that wouldn't have happened if they'd been a Jewish family. But that just tells you the twins are raised apart for a lot of different reasons. Right, thank you. Doctor. Okay, doctor. I know we got we're itching to move on, but now we're talking about genetics. Let's move on to inbreeding. What can we talk? What can we say about the white supremacy marches, uh, Jessica? I'm sure you got something to. Anybody want to want to vent on the Trump thing right now? I'm glad it's not a No, but twin. can I ask a question to the doctor? Can I ask yeah, a question? Ahead, but ahead. it's not a white supremacist question. It's just a regular question. I, I wanted to know, is it true what they always say, or is it just Hollywood, that like, if one twin has a bad feeling, the other one knows about it or whatever? Is that Hollywood? That's so Hollywood. That's, that's so, what I thought. That's so literary device. In my recent book, Twin Myth Conceptions, I address 70 different beliefs about twins, and I rate them as false or true. 
and that's one of them. All my research, all my readings suggest there was no such thing as twin telepathy, where one twin right. has an experience or feels bad or feels scared, and the other one does too. Now, having said that, identical twins do share a very close relationship. They process information the same way, and so they may give the appearance of an ESP-like event. But they're not communicating telepathically at all. And the reared apart twins we studied, most of them had no idea they were a twin. So here's my follow-up question. Do you find, Doctor, that, that um, like siblings who, you know, any siblings who are, who are, are brought apart when they're younger, are they um, less, less close or share less things than the twins? Yes. The siblings who are raised apart do share a, closer, a less close relationship. But, but the comparison I have is identical twins raised apart and fraternal twins raised apart who, genetically oh. speaking, are ordinary brothers and sisters. Right. And so I said to them, you know, how do you feel when you first met? How do you feel now? Do you feel close? Do you feel like you're familiar? And the identical twins, many more, said they felt closer than the fraternal twins. But the most interesting comparison I had was asking the twins to say, how close do you feel to the unrelated siblings you were raised with all your life? After all, they knew them all their life. They knew the twin for a very short time. Yeah, that's interesting. And they felt closer to the twin hmm. than to the, the unrelated child. The, the identicals or the fraternals? Both. Both. Oh, both. Both. Remember, fraternal twins share half the genes on average, just like ordinary sibs, whereas unrelated share none, right? Right. And so what I think is going on is that these twins who are related are perceiving similarities in one another, and this is kind of triggering feelings of attraction. They perceive that they're both holding their hands the same way or have the same, similar interests or whatever. So I think it's those commonalities that, that explain now, a doctor, lot of that. Uh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. Before we get to, I, I don't know if we're going to get to Charlottesville or not, but uh, before we do so, I, uh, there's one topic I would do wish to address. It might be slightly touchy, but I have read <laughs> that... Uh, and I'm not saying this to, to be flip or funny, but I have read that there is a sexual attraction oftentimes between people that are related by blood that are reared apart when they do find each other. It's not touchy at all. It's called genetic sexual attraction. Mm. And in fact, <laughs> there has been information written about that. Uh, it's not unusual for a mother who gave away a son to feel sexually attracted to that. Oh, it's yes. a phenomenon that is well yes. known in that literature. And do you want to hear something oh, really God. fascinating? Okay, I've got the most fascinating story you're gonna to hear tonight. So we had a set of identical men who were raised apart. Both of them were homosexual. You boy. Yes. And when they met, they became each other's lovers. Yikes. Now, what that suggested to me <laughs> gay lovers. No, 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 it's not Charlottesville at all. Yeah, what that's that suggested what to me is accidental incest. What that suggested to me is Anal. that there's such a thing called the incest taboo, where people who live together and are related do not develop a sexual attraction to one another. That's why most brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, and I mean, rather, mothers and sons and fathers and daughters don't have any sex with each other. Hot. But it may work this way with, with gay relatives, too. Yeah. You know, that, that's what it suggested to me. Yeah. Now, go ahead to Charlottesville. Well, I think, <laughs> I think that um, you, you asked Noam. I do think that they are inbreds. I do think that maybe they were created, like maybe two twins had sex and then had these people that march. Do you think that the people that marched in Charlottesville. On, on both sides, right, Jessica? On both sides, of course. On both sides. <laughs> and I hate Jews. I think that they were twins that mated, and then these people came and just carried if, torches. If you asked me that question in a court of law, I would say it's conceivable. And I'd okay. leave it at that. <laughs> Thank conceivable. you. Conceivable. That's she's a play on words. You didn't get it. It is. No, I'm too. I'm not way, as smart what, as she what, is. But he got it. He got it. Just it's so, just so we're clear, because I'm. I lived in Virginia for 19 years. Charlottesville, they came from like West Virginia yeah. to march in Charlottesville, just so we all know. That's mm -hmm. where all the inbreds were from, not from yeah. exactly. I want Norm to ask this question. Go ahead. They came from Perkins. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have been, uh, I must say, I have been, uh, even more so than usual, I have been glued to Facebook because I do find the whole thing fascinating. I find all the arguments and all the people posting. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm having fun with it. Uh, uh, you know, um, even as others are horrified. Uh, I, I, am I the only one that's just enjoying this on some level? I hope, yeah, I I hope enjoying so. It. I yes, hope so. you are. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think I am. But, but Noam, do, can you speak to, to your feelings? Yeah, well, well I'm, I'm not the, I'm the only one that finds this fascinating. No, yes, I'm no, very fascinating. curious. I don't, I don't think it's fascinating at all. I'm not surprised 
at all about what happened. I think if you had people, an identical twin raised apart, he'd probably be feeling like you do, and you'd be the only two people in the world to feel that way. And they would both be hard. <laughs> well, I, I highly um, doubt we're the only people to feel that way. But but anyhow, I mean, people, oh. you know, for the same and reason people look at car accidents. Yeah, of course it's fascinating. It's right. It's like a car accident that you, rubbernecking, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. And, and, and the truth is, it's not affecting our lives in any, in, in any uh, for most of us. Life will go on. We'll have our lattes tomorrow at Starbucks. We'll go to the gym. No, I don't feel that way at all. I feel like it could. Well, you don't. Maybe you never liked lattes, but I no. let Jessica say. I, I, I don't feel. I feel that it's completely affecting me as a Jewish person, and I am very upset with people in my family that are like okay with everything. I don't understand it, but then like, get upset about other things that are so fucking stupid. Like, meaning, uh, I, this is, I talk about it in my act, but it's not to be funny right now. I'm married to a woman. They didn't care that I was marrying a woman. They cared that she's not Jewish. And the same people support Trump. Not, not my whole family, but it's like, I don't understand how you can support as a Jewish person or just be okay with it or think it's funny or whatever, what happened. Like, that was scary shit. So scary. That was scary shit. I was just at the Holocaust Museum a month ago in D.C., and the stuff I saw was so frightening. It, 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 it affected me so much, I can't even tell you. And then seeing that the other day was like, it, it, and it, it does affect my life because I'm a lot more down because of it and anxious. You know, it's way Man, beyond Trump. What's the matter Trump. with you? Huh? Way beyond Trump. It has not, it's not what's even the about him. You that you're not affected by this. You're, you're, you're barking at me? <laughs> yeah, what's the matter with you that you're not affected by this? How come this doesn't bother you? It, it doesn't bother. First of all, does it bother you uh, overwhelmingly? You're up there in Maine. You're you're, you're paddling on Lake Quinnipiac or whatever's up going on up there. <laughs> you, you, uh, it, I don't it think it, the world. I don't think the sky is falling. When Trump was elected, I had a terrible feeling of doom, and you kind of. He's with other Jewish men. He's clearly at a summit meeting of some kind. <laughs> yeah, he obviously it it's affecting you because you're That's talking Camp about David. it. That's Gnome's <laughs> Camp David. <laughs> It, it, when, I, when, when Trump was elected, you remember I said I was very depressed about it, and you kind of mocked me, like, why are you so upset? It's no big deal. Uh, and now, of course, I'm, I'm, now I, I'm less upset than I was then, I, because after all these months of Trump been in office, I'm like, well, nothing's really changed. The sky hasn't fallen. Uh, you know, the meteors yeah. have not struck planet Earth. Uh, he, he, you know, every week it's a new crisis that we forget about the crisis from the previous week. So, so you know. People have so are we done talking about twins? Can I go now? No, oh. no, don't go, oh. don't go. No, no, no. Well, no, you're you, you question. Oh, okay. Well, no, do you not wish to talk oh, about Charlottesville? Well, I, wanna... I could talk about it, but I, I think that my expertise is not in that area. Well, nobody's expertise is in that area. We're all flying blind. Oh, wow. Well. No, I have expertise. Well, Gnomes is a learned man. Before we, well, before we get that, because uh, um, uh, on, the, on the issue of homosexuality. How do we get... Uh, how much he do, wants how to much he do, wants to know if we scissor. That's the next question. If my uh, wife I and assumed, I scissor, I assumed you scissor. We don't much, scissor. It's I'm too lazy. It's a lot of work to work, turn around. It? Turn. Oh God, do, yeah. Do rocks paper scissor. I, how no, does work we, with you guys? we, we hole anyway. punch. <laughs> we don't scissor. We hole punch. Doctor Siegel, I know I don't blame you. Doctor uh, Siegel Dr. just Siegel. shook her head. I so feel only very. Another, only another half an hour. Go ahead. What, uh, how? How? What is the correlation of homosexuality among identical twins? Among males, the genetic influence is about forty percent, and wow. among females, females about twenty percent. So, so it's low, relatively low. It's I mean, lower compared than, to high. It's, it's lower than we thought because you see, the first studies were done using twins recruited in gay bars, where those twins are more likely to both be similar for that behavior. But with better, more representative samples, the genetic effect is coming down. So then, so then, uh, what then? Then what do you attribute it to? Either is it psychological, which you're not, I know that's very politically incorrect to, to speculate, or is it uh, something uh, the the environment in the womb, like one person, one one kid gets slightly different uh, nutrition or something? Well, you just I you think there is something in the womb. <laughs> some perhaps some hormonal exposure goes on. There's a genetic component. It's a very complex behavior that we're not going to sort out here tonight, but That's we can say sure. that there's a complex combination of biology, psychology, and the environment. Now, now David, and, the, and the environment is both inside the womb and outside. Da David telling his act, and, and I don't know that he's an expert in this, but he did speculate that it was letting your kid lick the bowl. Uh, that was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely. Wait, you know, this that was I, anyway. All I know is my mother has great breasts. <laughs> okay, this might be a stupid question, but um, 
like when you see people who have like a doppelganger, like someone who looks like so much like them, like for years people will come up to me and be like, I can't remember what the girl's name was, but apparently I looked just like this woman in, in Florida. Cindy Crawford. And no, no, it was like some random girl. Yeah. And she had gotten it too. And then finally a friend stopped me and said, you really, here's her phone number. You should call her because you really look almost exactly alike. And we weren't related or anything. Did you ever meet her? Um, no, I talked to her on the phone once. Cool. And we didn't, we weren't related. We didn't know, you know, but, um, I talked to her just cause I was like, my father's been fucking around. Something's happened. That's why I wanted to just find out. But, um, no, we weren't related at all. Well, I'm very interested in doppelgangers. In fact, I have a whole study going on. I wish I'd known you back then, yeah. but, uh, some people think that identical twins are alike because people treat them alike based on their appearance. And I don't believe that. I believe it's genetics that evokes similar treatment from these people. But the best way to test that is through these doppelgangers because I could reason that if it's just the way you're treated based on your face, then doppelgangers should be as alike in personality as identical twins, and they're not. You know what the correlation, Dan, uh, norm is for doppelganger personality? No. Close to zero. No, I'm not norm. Close to zero. No. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. You be, you be oh, quiet. And he didn't know the name of the book. And, the, and I also... It's rare uh, to rare to part and happy together. And I also awesome. tested them on self-esteem, and that was also close to zero. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> really? That's interesting to me. Yeah, so if you, could ever, if you could ever find your doppelganger, you come see me, and you'll be in the study. I it's, love it. It's so, still ongoing. She's somewhere in Doc, Florida. Dr. Siegel, California. Uh, uh, Jessica has a child. I have two small children. Uh, we're all Jewish. We're hyper concerned about IQ and intelligence. I'm not Jewish um, and I'm barren. Uh, Lynn, Lynn is Lynn wants athletic children, but uh, <laughs> barren. I, I, I would like to know. So you talk about uh, the high correlation, and but you say cross population difference. At some point, that must bring out what are the what are the key environmental factors as parents that we need to keep our eye on in order to have our children have the maximum IQ that their genetics will allow them? Okay, so they need to have the opportunities that they're seeking. If the child shows artistic ability, give them art lessons. Mm -hmm. If the child shows facility in mathematics or computer programming, just nurture these talents in them and let That'll them- That'll increase their IQ? Well, it. Yes, because IQ goes up for many, many different reasons. And I would also let them sample many things broadly. A child might have a skill in, say, uh, literature or music. They may know nothing about. And suddenly, if you give them these opportunities, you don't force it on them, but introduce it, they might discover a talent they never knew they had. The, the key so, is for parents to stay sensitive and offer opportunities, and that's the most important can, thing. Can I ask a right. question about... Wait, 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 wait. Lynn, let me just say no. one more follow-up, and I'm, I'm really done. So, so in these studies, did you not come across a case where one kid uh, got all the nurturing of mathematics that he needed, and another kid, the parents really didn't pay any attention to his math skills, and how much IQ difference okay, emerged? That's a super question, because there was a pair of twins we studied from England, and one of them was raised in a very educationally rich uh, family, and the other, not so much. But the one who was not so much went out and got a library card, and she read a lot, and she did a lot of things. She created her own environment from what was there, which is something that all of us do, and their IQ points were maybe one or two points apart. Wow. And they were reading the same books by the same authors. You know, I heard there was a story, wow. um, very similar case, Isaac and Gus Newton. Now, uh, Isaac, <laughs> Isaac Newton was encouraged and became the Isaac Newton that we know. And, and Gus Newton was a layabout. Well, well, I'll have to talk to his parents. Was it what? so stupid. Wait, doctor, can I ask another serious question? Yeah, go ahead. So, in, I appreciate in, serious questions around in here. Twins, in twins raised together... Um, did you ever find that any of them, what statistics on resentment or not liking one another? Kind of like we have like, you know, know. self-hating Jews and self-hating, you know, like whatever. Like, is was there any of that? You know, no one's ever done a formal study on hating your sibling among twins. But what I can say is that the studies <laughs> that look at cooperation, this. competition, social intimacy, always higher in identical twins than fraternals, yeah. whether they're raised apart or raised together. Well, I mean, and, you and look at yourself in the mirror sometimes and you're just so mad at yourself. I can't imagine you have an identical. You're like, you know, get well, the fuck away from me. You might as well be productive and not hate yourself. It's better to hate your twin in that case. No, our, our whole <laughs> but, career but, but, is based on hating ourselves. But, yeah. 
what I will say Doctor, is that I have help me. come across a couple of cases <laughs> where twins have not gotten along, but they're so rare that Oprah did a whole show on it. I mean, there were four or five cases where they were just aberrations. But what's, what struck me, though, was even though the twins said, I hate the other one, they were still willing to come on the show together. If they really hated each other, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have had any together. part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've got to take that with a box of salt. Right. Dr. Siegel, p- plug your book again and your, and your website. So that in, in, the, so in case we move on, you, you, we, we don't forget to do that. One more time. Okay. So my most recent book is Twin Myth Conceptions, False, Belief, False Beliefs, Fables, and Facts About Twins. The book that's coming out next April is Accidental Brothers, Doubly Exchanged Twins, and the Power of Nature and Nurture. And my website is real easy, drnancysiegeltwins.org. All right, that's fantastic. Now, I, I, I now we, I know everybody wants to talk a little bit about Charlottesville. It's one of the, one of the, you know, major historical events in our lifetimes, really. And uh, I, I hope you'll stay and, and talk about it, but you don't have to. If, if uh, we won't be insulted, but uh, you, I'm sure you have something to offer. So, Jessica, what, what, what where, where do we leave off? You want to know why Dan was fascinated? I actually want to know your opinion. No, I understand because I know Dan very. You know, like I, I get why Dan feels that way, and I know where he stands. But what is your opinion on it? Because you haven't said your opinion on it. I, I'm, I'm against cur- it. Yeah. I knew. I mean, I had a feeling. <laughs> you, I had a feeling, but I just wanted to know, like, what you think about it. Because it's very tricky because of free speech. It's a whole thing. It's. Yeah. I mean, I, I am fascinated by it. And, and, and I mean, the things that go through my mind are first, I'm trying to figure out where is Trump coming from? Uh, is it a political consideration? Is he a white supremacist? Is he. And. I think that Trump was somehow, it's possible, was somehow, in a sense, radicalized online like an ISIS guy. I think that there are certain things, I, I, I spent the last few days reading, like, uh, what's, what's his name, Dan, the, 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 um, the, the head of the whites, the... Bannon? Richard Spencer. No. Richard Spencer. Richard Spencer. Bannon. I, I, and Jason Kessler, I spent, I spent the last couple of days reading some articles and essays by them. And, you know, they're very careful about they, they don't fall into the trap of really giving themselves away too much. <clears throat> they're cagey, but they do talk about certain issues that reverberate well beyond their white supremacist audience, like wanting to be proud of our European heritage, not wanting to be embarrassed about our past. Trump kind of gave away, we talk about not, are we gonna repudiate Thomas Jefferson? Uh, does, a, does a diverse society work? Are there examples? They talk about a lot of these things that uh, are so politically incorrect that people who are not, to use Hillary's term, deplorables or you know, people who have people who have nothing to lose will talk about these these things in public. But for the most part, people who have reputations, mm-hmm. they just keep this stuff to themselves. But they do, I think, agree with some of this, and they, in their own mind, and I think it's very dangerous. They they cut it off from the white supremacy delivery package in the same way. You know, well, Hitler was really right about the Treaty of Versailles. You know, I mean, he and he was right, of course. But it's quite dangerous to start citing Hitler for anything. And I think that this is where Trump is coming from. I think that that to the extent that what he he doesn't agree with everything they agree with. I don't think I hope not. But they agree with most of what he stands. Yeah, for. they do. And they are. And 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 those things, uh, you know, you may think they're racist, but I think some of them are not racist. And I think that's why he can't bring himself to repudiate them. And I also think he's ahistorical. He doesn't, he's, he's, I don't want to say he's dumb, but he, he just doesn't seem to understand that this is off limits. You cannot, you, you can't hedge about white supremacists and Nazis and KKK. You just can't do that. And, you know, and I'll say one more thing. It was interesting. I, I brought it up. I sent it to Dan, but Dan didn't answer. But, you know, you guys know who Peter Baynard is? No. So Peter Baynard is a real left-wing, uh, used to be editor of the, of the New Republic. He's an anti-Zionist, uh, uh, quite left-wing. And he wrote an article in The Atlantic. The Atlantic magazine is no conservative uh, outpost. On August 6th, he wrote an article, The Rise of the Violent Left. 
Antifa's activists say they are battling burgeoning authoritarianism on the American right. Are they fueling it instead? So on August 6th, it was okay for a left-wing guy to wonder out loud about the, the rise of the violence on the left. Now, interestingly, this morning, he wrote another article, what Trump gets wrong about Antifa, and then amazingly he writes, if the president is concerned about violence on the left, he can start by fighting white supremacist movements whose growth has fueled its rise. Like, totally, uh, totally opposed, uh, diametrically opposed kind of takes on the same issue. He changed overnight after there was this thing in Charlottesville. So those are the things I'm thinking about. You know, I, I don't think Trump can recover from it. And, uh, I think he I, I think he, he crossed the line that that respectable people are not going to let him back on that side of the line. I, I in my heart, I do. I think he hates Jews. It's hard to believe considering his daughter's orthodox and Jared Kushner and all. And, you know, it's just hard to believe, you know, but maybe he does. And that's my take. Struggle with those, what, when is it ever right for violence? I mean, to drive a car into a crowd of people is unacceptable. Oh. Like, where's the risk in coming out against that? Yeah, it's shocking. Also, <laughs> it's also interesting. It would be his his position would have been made a little bit easier if the right wing organizations had repudiated this violence and if they were outraged. But they don't even yeah. seem to be outraged. No. Outraged? So they're happy they're about it. No, they're, they're very they're, happy. They're, yeah. They, yeah, they, so, all they've been posting is stuff saying they're glad it happened. I mean, who's who's even said one thing about it not being okay? It, but listen, I will tell you this: I do think he's right that Thomas Jefferson is in the crosshairs, and then it will be George Washington. And uh, I mean, certainly logically, you can clearly make a difference of of uh, uh, General Lee and uh, um, Jefferson and Washington, he, you know. Well, college but, campuses have already started doing that. They've yeah, started yeah. taking down the names of past presidents yeah. for reasons that are being perceived as politically incorrect. Yeah, that's right. And but the, the the fact is that organizations like this, they never, they, they seldom declare victory and disband. Once they have, ta- have stricken Robert E. Lee and whoever else, uh, the Civil War guys, they will turn their sights to the Yankees who had slaves. And once they turn it, they'll turn it. And, and it, it, it is, you know, I, I don't even, in my, own, in my own heart, I don't, know what, I don't know what's right and wrong, where the right and wrong is there. But it, I do think it's very difficult and dangerous to judge people outside the time and place that they lived. It's weird to think that Thomas Jefferson may someday go down in history as a horrible man uh, rather than just as a you know a, a demonstration of his time, I don't know. But I I think Trump is, you know, I think he's right that that's the direction this is heading. But this was not the time to bring up that fight. He shouldn't have brought it up as a reaction. He, sh- he could have brought it up earlier. That's that's what I think. I don't know if anything I said offends you, but that's that's really it didn't what's offend going me on at all. I I I appreciate your opinion. I, it doesn't offend me, and I actually am in the middle on a lot of things, believe it or not. But you know, I don't believe it. By the way, <laughs> yes, it's true. It's really true. My big thing is that um, I knew this hate was happening. I knew I've seen, of course, racism for so many years and anti-Semitism and all of it. And I think it's just okay now. There's no hoods. Everyone's out in the open. There's pictures of them. Their face is showing. Like every, like people are allowed to spew hate now, and it's very scary. I, I said this six months ago. Six months ago, I said, this is going to go to the streets. I swear to God, I called it. I said, people are going to start going into the street and fighting each other. Well, but it's, it, I knew it was going to happen. It's it, going to keep it, happening. Is this new? These guys have been around. They've been marching. There have been numerous court cases over the years as to whether or not they have the right to march. Uh, I, I didn't perceive this as anything all that new when I heard there's going to be a march in Charlottesville. And I was sort of wondering why everybody was all agitated about it because, again, we've had... Numerous court cases over the years is do Nazis have the right to march? Usually the courts say yes, they do, and there's some reasonable restrictions imposed, but they go ahead and they march. There's almost always some violence, you know, at them. Uh, this was a particularly horrific, uh, you know, uh, situation that happened. But, um, you know, I, I do think they have the right, you know, uh, I, I think a lot but of why people. Why didn't they march when Obama was president? If they were going to march, I'm, why I'm, didn't they march when we had a black president? Well, I'm sure there this were marches. March, this particular march was in response to the court ruling that was going to take down that Robert E. Lee statue. Now, this is, wait, so this is the Make-A-Wish kid talking? Yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> this is the Make-A-Wish, is the Make-A-Wish kid. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and they've actually marched. They've had a regular march now a couple of times, and it's been peaceful. The difference now is that it was. Uh, it was violent. How you had the well, you had the left show up when they, when it became on their radar. So the clash really was because there was another side of actively opposing them. Before that, nobody noticed. It was a peaceful march, and well, peaceful as much as it could be. But there was no violence at the march, and, and again, it was on a particular cause. It was around this particular statue. Well, I'm telling you right now, I see a very big shift and a change, and I, I'm telling you from my own personal experience, people are sick and tired of this shit. I'm serious. It is something has shifted, and people are fighting now. They're going to go. I'm serious. They're going to. They're going to go. You're saying who's fighting? The left or the right? The left. The left, the left, the left is left. done. Yes. They're not being little like, oh, you know, everyone. No, they're getting tough and. It's gonna. It's. I'm serious. I'm not saying it to be dramatic Jessica, or anything. In some ways, don't you think? I, I, I know I'm gonna get in a, You're gonna get mad at me. No, I'm not. I'm but in some ways, don't you think it's a bit? Because I would say I'm somewhere in the middle of the left and the right. Definitely today, I'm not on the right. But don't you think it's a bit of the, our, our fault on the left? Because we didn't. We didn't vote. We didn't vote. Of in course the right I guy. do. I'm enraged and with a lot of people. And now we're so angry. We're yeah. so angry that we voted in the wrong guy that we want to go find everyone that's going to support I'm him. And about we want to yeah. fucking fight him. I agree with you. But, I, I, but, I think a lot of people let this happen. And, and now just, we're scared because we're like, oh, the Holocaust could happen. Yeah, fucking good. That's what everyone was saying in the first place. That's why we were saying not to not to vote Trump in, in the first place. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I'm I don't not, think people are angry. I think people are terrified. I think people are scared. And I think that fear causes anger and, and all kinds of crazy reactions to come out of you. Mm -hmm. well, oddly enough, I feel somehow free. No, oh, you're just a fucking nutbag. No, no, I'm... <laughs> I don't feel free, but I get. But I love you. But yeah, but maybe if I had more of a career, I wouldn't want the world to fall apart. But um, <laughs> does 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 anybody think that you can be, uh, Lynn? You're from the South. Does anybody think that you can be uh, attached to uh, Confederate symbols without uh, endorsing the Confederate slavery? Ah, good question, Noam. Good question from Maine. That's Noam Dorman. I think anything. I I mean, I just went to Germany last year. And I, I, I had I was like in a in an antique store and I had to leave because there was like Nazi propaganda and, and I'm not Jewish. I just I found it, it it offended me. It was out right in the front. It was like right and I just thought this could hurt somebody. I mean the fact that it could hurt someone, that it could scare someone, that that someone's great great grandmother could still be alive, like it, it broke my heart. You know, it made me just want to run out of that place. Mm -hmm. So my feeling, my answer, Noam, is that if it can hurt anyone's feelings, if it can make anyone uncomfortable or feel bad, and I lived in Alabama for a long time, mm -hmm. and I mean, when when racism apparently was gone, I, I saw it not be gone. <laughs> and, well, and right. so I, and I think, Lynn, no, right. I I agree with you about that. That even even if it doesn't mean that to you, you should recognize what it means to other people. And, and that's mm -hmm. ought to be reason enough to to not want to fly the flag or whatever it is. What I'm asking is, because I seem to have met people like this, there there seems to be some Southern identity yes. and some feeling of connection between them. And they were on the, the losers of the war, but it was brother against brother. And we were the brothers that lost. And 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 they look at some of these figures as their forefathers in a way and 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 maybe it's morally sloppy that they just cut off the fact that they happen to own slaves but i think that sometimes they look at these things as just things no, in, defining, in their past it was a defining characteristic right, of but, the confederacy i mean it wasn't it wasn't an ad, and also they had slaves it was no but i think i think that, no i think, that, I think they felt some, very some much those, growing up in the south i think i think they feel very much as though you know, your good old boys feel as though they're the redheaded stepchild of this country. And they're constantly competing mm -hmm. with the North. And it's like, you know what? Well, the last thing I'm going to do is take my damn flag down. If I want it, I'm going to keep it. And if I want to call colored people colored, I'll call them colored. And that's just how they mm -hmm. act. And I mean, I, I know I have people in my own family who say colored. <laughs> and it blows my mind. I mean, I have to say to them, it is wrong. You can't say it. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know what? I'll say what I want. No, you can't. Okay. Yeah. Do you explain to them why it's wrong to say that? Yeah. And and the finally, I how I got one of my family members to stop was I said I'm gonna call one of my friends, and if he tells you it's okay, then I'm okay with it. 
Can, can you be a Nazi without hating Jews in the modern times? No. 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 Okay, so it's a defining characteristic of being a Nazi. But, but, but Noam is saying, is it possible to have some regard for General Lee? Is it possible to admire him, uh, admire General no, like, Lee, and, have... and not be racist? No. I mean, I have a friend who, not a friend, I, a girl who said to my best friend, Debbie Perlman, who's, who's Jewish, she said to her, she was playing Eva Braun in a play, and she said, you know, say what you want to say. Hitler was a genius. And I mean, I couldn't even, my, my mouth felt <laughs> like, you can't say, like, <laughs> say evil genius, say uh, maniacal, but just genius? So you're putting him in, in the same category as Einstein? Like, you can't. There is, a, there is something else, I think, and maybe Dr. Siegel knows something about this, I don't know. But there, you're, you're touching on a psychological uh, uh, issue. In other words, we, we take pride at least Jews, you know, when you, with Einstein, oh, he was Jewish. It, it, there's no reason, but we, we take, pro it, 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 it affects you in some chauvinistic way. I think it's also hard to expect people to say, yeah, yeah, we're horrible. We were horrible. We had to repudiate ourselves and, and we have to really do it publicly. Otherwise, you know, to expect that kind of thing, it's hard for people to, to, to say publicly, yeah, we repudiate everything that we were. I repudiate my great grandfather and my grandfather, and and they were all horrible. And and I'm going to tell them, it's it's they push back on that, just in a natural psychological way. And if they're if they're not educated, if they're if you know it it's it may not be, it, it may be a lot to expect of 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 everybody. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying. Well, as a, a confederate, as a, a confederate flag, a swastika, they represent. They're symbols that represent in our lifetime, great hurt, great pain, horrible, yes, horrible yes, yes. choices. And I'm sorry. There, there's no reason to have them up, anywhere. I completely yeah. agree. And I would agree as well. Interesting. Jim Webb, you know, who's 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 a liberal, but he was he from uh, Georgia or something? Where's your he wrote an article like two years ago saying how he thought the Confederate flag was not a racist. So I, you know, to yeah. me, it always seemed I mean, like he, slavery. Is this new? Because back in the 70s, there was a show called The Dukes of Hazard, and it, the General Lee was the car, and the, they had the Confederate flag That's on right. the roof. And and nobody batted an eye, at least nobody in my town. And you could say, well, you're from a town where nobody batted an eye, and, and that doesn't represent anything. Or has... Or was there a time when this symbol wasn't considered as, as uh, controversial toxic. as it is today, as toxic? Yes. I think so. I yeah. think things have really changed. I, I, I really do. I think because of the internet, because of everything. And and would Bo and Luke have been there today in Charlotte uh, uh, fighting for the statue? Charlotte or Charlottesville? Uh, Charlottesville. Bo and Luke. Well, Duke, Dan, you, you're making a great point about the Dukes of Hazzard. Like, where, if it's so obvious, where was everybody then? Okay, but here's the thing. The, the thing about the Dukes of Hazzard, I think we've evolved, so there's no reason to devolve. But... If we have to get down, if we're going to talk about Deuce of Hazard, there are a bunch of idiots. I mean, the show is about a bunch of idiots. Right, but did anybody ever watch it and think, they, oh, they must be endorsing slavery? No, everybody no. watched it and said, these are a bunch of country hillbilly fucks. And that's that's why I think nobody really opposed it, because it wasn't like they were geniuses. But, but, but Bo and Luke were portrayed as the good guys. They were and, the good guys, but they were still stupid. Well, but I don't know. Didn't Leonard Skinner use a Confederate flag or something? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But, we, but, we've evolved. Why should we devolve? But but all right you but was it why, why was it were people outraged back then and I just didn't hear about it because there was no Facebook Listen, or people or because people just said or because black people said black Americans said well we know our place they weren't as emboldened as they are today to speak out against what they thought was unjust and they and they might have mm -hmm. thought it was unjust back then too but just that's figured it. well the, the, we can't do anything about it that's I, it it was still entertainment and it was still now we just don't allow for certain things to be entertainment. No, I'm. How does Southern <laughs> people feel about the Confederate flag? How do they who, live what? there? They, they, I can't. How, how, do, Southern, how do Southern Black people feel about the Confederate flag li living in the South? I think it's a frightening symbol to most Southern people. I mean, Black people. I do. I think that they back off. If you see someone with a Confederate license plate, I, I, I mean, all my friends, comics and stuff on the road, you just, they do nothing. Because it, it's a symbol of ignorance to them. I mean, I, I mean that it's a symbol of the, mm -hmm. ignorant people live here. I'm not going to go fuck with them. 
it's kind of like it would, I think most black people would tell you they feel about the Confederate flag in the South the way they would feel about fighting the cops in L.A. Do we feel the same way about the Japanese who refused to uh, uh, take down any of their symbols glorifying World War II? But what symbols are those? I've heard. I don't know offhand, but I but I've I've read about the, the, the this issue at times. Every year on uh, the the anniversary of the of the atomic bomb, there's some articles written about Japan, and apparently, uh, you know, they they're stubborn about certain aspects of that history. Do we, we what do we think of the Japanese? Are we going to hold them to the same standard? I don't my know. My grandma, my grandmother would have. <laughs> my grand, my grandmother would have. My father would have. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're far removed and we aren't as into history and we don't all know. We're, we're ignorant, unfortunately. But my grandmother absolutely would have. Well, you know, the Japanese after World War II didn't prosecute their war criminals vigorously. They didn't cooperate. Uh, for, if you remember the movie uh, that Angelina Jolie made <laughs> called Unbroken, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, the war criminal in that movie, The Bird. Did anybody see that movie? Yes. The Japanese prisoner... Uh, um, the Japanese guard. I love that. He wasn't, uh, he, he, he was free after the war. I think he did a little bit of jail time, but they didn't prosecute him vigorously. They didn't cooperate. The Germans cooperated with the Allies in prosecuting the Nazis. The Japanese didn't, prosec- didn't cooperate with the Allies in prosecuting their war criminals. And we just said, well, we're going to let it slide because we're trying to have nice relations. And in the spirit of reconciliation, we'll let it slide, which I think also went on after the Civil War. We're like, well, we'll just let it slide because we're trying to move on. But, uh, I, I think the Germans are the huge exception to the rule in, in world history. Very few populations ever will just repudiate themselves and their history. It's, 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 not, it's not usually done. It should be, but it's not. Anyway. Hey, let me ask a f- question to your friend on the couch who asked Which me about one? the— uh, on This one that no, one? Not the Make-A-Wish, the other guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hi. Um, this was my bucket list. Okay, yeah. okay, you bucket list. Um, so you, are you are you a Jewish guy? I'm a Jewish guy. Can't okay. you tell? No, I can't I can. actually. That's but, not a politically correct question. Um, but what I want to ask you is, like, you asked if if black people would be offended by, you know, how they would feel in the South if they saw um, the Confederate flag, and I ask you if you were in Alabama or South Carolina or somewhere and you saw a swastika. Um, on on the back of a pickup truck, how would that make you feel? Right, but but up here in the north. No, I but never if you were in the south and you saw it, I'm just asking you, as a I, Jewish no, I, American, I feel, if you saw I, I, it, how would you feel? I would feel very offended because it will be next to the Confederate flag, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Lynn. I I, I want to be clear. Let's make this point again. I of course of course you're right. My only question is I, when somebody carries a, a swastika. It seems impossible to me that they mean anything other than they're endorsing Nazi ideology. When somebody carries, has something Confederate, I suspect that sometimes it's just kind of taking pride in being Southern and they're not, they're not really thinking it through. It, I, I, don't. I hate to tell you this. Oftentimes you see them together in the South. Uh, OK, but I, I just because I and I know, listen, I know that this is true <laughs> in certain situations. I mean, I know it for a fact, but I don't know to what degree. That's that some people view some of these things as cultural and not an endorsement of slavery or bigotry. That's and I think your point before was really the key one. It doesn't matter. You should still put it down because you should understand that other people are going to see it differently. And the trouble is many people don't understand those things. Right. That's right. Right. Well, somebody right. somebody said to me recently, like, oh, wouldn't you have loved to have been alive in the 20s, the roaring 20s? It was like, wouldn't it have been so much fun? I'm like, yeah, for me, for a white yeah. woman, it would have mm-hmm. been it would have been a great time. <laughs> I, don't but it, yeah. I don't know if it would have been for everybody else. It still matters. I believe we should always try to ascertain what's also in a person's heart as we're judging them. And I don't and I wonder when I see these Confederate flags what is in their heart, you know, that matters to me because if they're just ignorantly using a flag but they don't really understand, well, that's different, you know, than someone who's saying, yeah, I really think, you know, we should, uh, blacks should be put in their place. I'll tell you, and you want to know the truth? It's the difference between seeing it on a house or on a truck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the the house is worse. No, the house is not worse. If you see it on a house, oftentimes it's old people. Right. 
who have pride in the South. Mm-hmm. I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Mm-hmm. You see it on a pickup truck, I will show you a redneck hillbilly fuck. Right. Pro-life stickers. I'll show you lots yep. of other stickers. All kinds. Yep. So if you see it at a rally, if you see it at a rally, it's racist. Now Possibly. what about now? Now what about a statue in, in the park? What do you mean if someone is protesting? I mean, like, doesn't want to get rid of the statue? No, I'm saying, what, what do we? What do we? What should we take as the meaning of a Robert Lee statue, E. Lee statue, or what the resistance of some people, maybe the people who would also have the flag on their house, to not wanting that? statue taken down not because they love the statue because it's, it's like we, were, we have to be ashamed of ourselves now but shouldn't it be like just a vote that happens within that town I or swear that to area God, i was just gonna say and i don't know why I'm it serious. feels to me why like it should it, go to a town hall meeting it should how why much is did it, robert e lee contribute to that area why did the statue get erected in the first and place? vote just vote and because i'll tell you something and i keep thinking this over and over again while we're talking i do feel whether anyone thinks this is a right or wrong, that things are going in a certain direction, meaning a lot of statues are going to come down. A lot of flags are going to... I'm telling you, I just know it. So because of what's going on and the majority and what people are feeling. Um, so so, right, that's what I'm saying. So I feel like it's going that way But when anyway. they come down, others are going to go up, and that's what's frightening. What's going to go up? I don't know yet, but something is. I mean, they're going to take statues down, they're going to put something in their place. And if there are votes, don't you think that people are going to protest anyway? Uh, they can protest, but I think what it, it is just is what it is, meaning it's going to happen either way. So, like, eventually a lot of this stuff is going to go away. These Because sta- the, the country is getting more politically correct. The younger people are incredibly more, like, more politically correct than any of us. And not yet, any do you of us feel on stage that we need to be more political no I don't correct, care I don't feel I don't, that way I don't feel that way at all thank God but it's only because I've been doing stand-up for 20 years but if I was starting out I would be much more scared and like watch everything I, just I think said. we're one of the very we're dinosaurs but I what, think we're yeah. one of the last people yeah. alive that doesn't have to be politically well, correct. Right. what do you have any of you ever had trouble during your comedian stand-ups I mean I think all of us have well in you know some I, ways. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I, I don't think anything I'm saying is terribly politically incorrect. If I do say something, I have sensed that when I try to broach a... Su- I, did, uh, one, I did a joke about Trump's uh, Muslim ban, saying it wasn't a Muslim ban because most Muslims can still uh, come in the country. That was the premise of the joke. I forgot the punchline. But um, <laughs> they, immediately I felt a shift in the room. Don't and, open with it. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, this, isn't, you know, this, was, this was my opinion of that issue. That whether it was ill-conceived or not, I didn't feel it to be a Muslim ban per se, and I kind of felt a shift in the room, and the joke didn't go over. It might have been a bad joke anyway, but um, I don't do it anymore. I, there's nothing I really say that. Well, my uh, yeah, rape there are joke many, many th- people. Your rape joke does upset people, um, but would you, you know? I mean, I don't. Do you have any? I mean, my but, rape joke at the cellar is. But made but rape cry. jokes, rape jokes, they are politically incorrect. But I think there are certain, but you can still get away with them, but it's especially really as a woman, a, especially as a woman. The Asians thing, What's the that? Asian thing is pretty, pretty, pretty incorrect. What is Jessica's uh, Asian? Uh, no, I woman. actually purposely her see, mi- it's people, like a Mickey this Rooney. is what happens. People can think of it as, as um, politically incorrect. I do characters. I do. I first and foremost make fun of my entire family and, and Jewish people and how a lot of them look miserable uh, when they watch me do stand-up and they're just miserable faces and they judge me. I talk about black people. I talk about everyone, so it's not just that. And what I say about Asian women is a lot of times they seem very, you know, like, oh, she's so scary, like when I'm on stage. But a lot of times they have much more power. And see, people, if they really listen to what I'm saying, I'm doing a character of an Asian woman, but what I'm saying is that she scares the shit out of me. And she's a lot more powerful, and I'm the one that's filled with fear. Well, my rape joke makes the rapist the victim. Yeah, no one's arguing that these jokes are are wrong, but they are touchy, and there are people that get offended. And I don't, that's, that's where I say I'm in the middle as an artist. Like that kind of, as long as it's not mean spirited, yes. I'm okay no, with no, it. I, I don't agree. I think in this day and age, any white person, imi- just the very act of imitating, and of course you're doing a caricature. So oh, sure. I, I know people are going to say that is, that is politically incorrect and it will offend some people. Yep. And I'm glad. Yeah. That's, I mean, how, I that's what I mean. I'm not the most. I, I did it. I did a show. I did a voiceover. Uh, 
for the man in the high castle where it was like a, um, a pirate radio station from that era and I and uh, they wouldn't let me do a fake Japanese accent it was like me uh, I don't know no probably nobody listened to it but we'll let you Dan go ahead no it was me like pretending to be this guy operating in the neutral zone of the United States after the uh, Axis powers had won the war and I'm like a, a, a pirate radio DJ uh, and I, my job is to uh, is to satirize the Japanese and the Germans but they wouldn't let me do a Japanese accent as this fictional character because they thought somebody would be offended by a white person doing a Japanese accent even though I was pretending to be a DJ from the 1960s making fun of the Japanese yeah right uh, because they felt their listeners would find that politically incorrect so I, that, kind of, I but I wasn't able to make fun that, of German accents obviously because they're white people yeah, that's the kind of thing that Richard Spencer would write about. All right, listen, we've de- I think we've delivered a, a heaping helping of the laugh, y- the laugh riot that people come to expect on the, on the riot. Well, can I can I end with a jo- can I end with a joke that I've been trying to perfect? It never really worked on stage, but I, uh, I, apropos, oh, I God. but but I think it's good. I don't <laughs> I don't. But the joke was is like, is the Confederate flag a symbol of hatred or heritage? There's a debate, but we can all agree it's a symbol of I've never seen Les Mis. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. I want to. <laughs> I want to get back to my race. <laughs> <laughs> right, I have to Dr. say, Siegel. I really want to say. Wait, first, I just want to say that I think the job of a stand, like, if you're not offending someone, you're not doing the right thing. I really, if you're making, if you're safe, and yeah, everyone's but, okay with everything you're saying, I, I've never laughed at one comic that. Well, what that about does what that. about like Ryan Hamilton? What about? He's not. He's still edgy in a oh, way. There's, yes, he is. Yeah, he's yes, edgy. he is. No, he's not. Yes. And, and, and I say that without being disparaging because most comics are not really. This idea that comics, our job is to push boundaries and to challenge and to say things that nobody else will say is bullshit, I believe, for 99% of comics who are saying really nothing that, it, that everybody else isn't saying. To the extent they're being edgy, they're being edgy in a politically correct way. Uh, the one exception being, uh, I suppose, our dear friend... Uh, um, Nick DiPaolo. Nick DiPaolo, whose name I blanked on. I don't. For a know, I, I don't agree with you. I mean, not because we're at really the end, but we I don't agree at all. Uh, um, I mean, I, I I think I think a lot of New York comics really push it and and really say things that are. I mean, it's like it tells and it tells yes. what the greatest. Is he saying anything? I mean, that that's politically incorrect or that is like challenging. He's, of he's it's brilliant. Yes. It's brilliant, but it's about his midget friend that was playing the knife game with you a half said, Indian. Look you at the word you just midget. said. You just said midget for God's sake. Like that's not going to offend that's not people. But cha- that's not challenging. It's not challenging. Yes and, it is. And no, yes, most people is. won't say midget. It's offensive. It's offensive. A lot of people yeah. find yeah. it offensive. It, it is offensive, but it, it's it's most people let midget jokes slide. He's Oh my god, <laughs> Dan. <laughs> Well, go ahead. Dan, go. Listen, I, so I, I got to go. You guys continue. What, what about take, what about get... what about Brian Regan, who every comic worships? Is there anything edgy there? No, I think that people that aren't that aren't edgy can be great too. I'm just saying that I I like when people take it to the edge a little. I do. I like it. I like it too, but I don't think most people do it. I, you I guys, just, let's oh. let's. You feel the same way about off. political speech? You like it when political speech reaches the edge, or you want to shut it down? Make a lie. wish. We were almost mm-hmm. out of here, and you had to open up. I know. I'm sorry. I want to hang out with these guys. I tried to tell you. I got it. The Make a Wish kids are, are past. They, they need to eat their dinner. We do. Oh, Jesus. I think you guys are having a very interesting conversation. You should probably keep it going a little go. bit. I know. We got to go. go. I got go. to go. The twin lady, unfortunately, nobody briefed her, and I blame. I blame myself, quite frankly. Dr. Yeah. Siegel. We didn't I'm, I'm going to think twice about this again. Can we no all pl- can, can <laughs> Dr. Siegel plug her book? Can we all plug our stuff? Wait, wait. I would like to give Dr. Siegel a chance to imitate somebody black before we go. Oh, I'll do it for you. You're do you want to the, do it? You're talking to the wrong professor. Come Sorry. on, Dr. Siegel. Do it, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, that's not me. That's not me. That's you, Dr. Siegel. No, it's not. Thank you very much, Dr. Okay, Siegel. Well, okay, we'll see you guys I later. Think, uh, later. I, I, everybody, why don't we just let everybody... Finish up, Dan. Finish up. I'll finish up. We're finishing up. I just... Everybody let them go. Can we please just watch on Netflix on August 22nd is Hormonal Beast. Is my special. Lynn Coplitz has done what no other woman's before has done before her in comedy. She's taken being uh, menopausal. menopausal and and she's fucking taking it head on with no prisoners. <laughs> and it's a completely different point of view that I've I've never seen it. 
<laughs> Thank you, Dan. And so be sure to watch a special on Netflix, was it? Yes, it's okay. on August 22nd. And then Netflix, 22nd. that's a video streaming uh, website, is that that's correct? That's right, and okay. it's on August that's 22nd Netflix. is when it launches. August 22nd. Dr. Siegel, buy her book. Uh, buy two. Buy two, buy as many as you can afford. Tell us the name <laughs> of it again, the weird... Uh, <laughs> the rear. Born together, reared apart, twin <laughs> okay. misconceptions, and accidental brothers. That's myth conceptions, not misconceptions. Myth conceptions. Myth. Oh, I'm getting that one yeah. right away. Jessica, cool Jessica Kirsten good. can be seen where? Yeah, so I, I'm on the Howard Stern show a lot. If you listen to Howard Stern, I do calls and uh, stuff like that. And um, you can go to visit my website, jessicakirsten.com. And she has some of the funniest Instagram posts I've ever seen. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you. I'm if filled you, with if fear. You're, if you're on Instagram and you see Jessica's Instagram, video, that is a photo sharing website of some like sort. Yes. And I'm going to punch you Jessie so hard Kirsten in the throat. Jessica Kirsten on Instagram and I there there's a there's a there's a uh, microblogging website known as Twitter.com that I'm affiliated with, uh, and you, my handle would be at Dan Natterman. That's D A N N A T U R M A N. Uh, help me get to those eight thousand followers that I <laughs> oh God. that I'm closing in I on. Love you, Dan. <laughs> Did you have something to say? I was going to say that you know I always worry about being self-promotional in my field, but I'm never going to worry again. No, you have to do <laughs> no, it. No, you dare. That's what. That's. I mean, why do you think we're all here? <laughs> And thank you. We're sorry we're so crazy, but no, we appreciate it's fine. you. It's, it's a different world but for me. You're so it's, interesting. It spices up the life of an academic. So yeah, I enjoyed right. it. That's I enjoyed true. it. And you Most of my colleagues good. don't do this. Uh, yeah. We, yeah, do I all, we do offer our guests free food downstairs at the Olive Tree. I know. Tree I like that. This, well, I just wanted a quick snack. Tip, tipping the show. is obviously encouraged. We oh thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next time. All right. The Comedy Seller Show. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you.